This is episode 185 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 185 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Marco Agbaba on the show. And Marco's been on the show before. He's a guy that just grinds and hustles. He's one of those guys that you're not going to shake his determination. Marco's accomplished a ton in a very short time. He's just about to turn 26 years old. He's already got a multi-million dollar net worth. He's building uh, massive student rental developments and showing no signs of stopping. So we went through a couple of case studies in today's episode. We talked about a front back a fourplex with a tiny home on the back of it and uh, it's going to have over 35 bedrooms in total with ensuite bathrooms for all this is something that marco's doing to get exceptionally high rents in the student rental market in windsor ontario and he's also done this type of model with other builds and he's got multiple more in the pipeline and he's finishing up with very low loan to values he's doing perfect burrs and he's roughly at a 60 percent loan to value when he's done so there's massive amount of equity in these projects he's got a very interesting angle and it's uh similar to stuff that i used to do in the student rental market and of course marco and i have talked for years about this stuff so i'll take a little bit of the credit as given some of that inspiration but of course marco ran with it and did everything all on his own uh, really impressive guy and it's always great to have a conversation with him so i know you're going to enjoy this episode i know i've built it up here for you but it's well worth the listen we also did dig into some economics and what we think is going to happen what are the factors at play here always a good discussion to have when the market's doing the crazy stuff it's doing right now as always ask you to hit all the buttons here make sure you're subscribed liked comment as well get this video out to more people and then of course if you're an audio listener if you could leave a five-star review and a rating that obviously helps it to get to more people gets picked up by the algorithm and recommended for other people in the real estate space so thank you for all of that let's jump into episode 185 with marco agbeva Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Marco Agbaba on the show yet again. Twice? Twice now, yeah. Yeah. Drove all the way from Windsor, so mm-hmm. thank you for doing that. Oh, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure to come on. So, Yeah, Marco, you're just so busy crushing out real estate, doing things most people don't do, building <laughs> new construction, development. Uh, this is a, a territory that a lot of people are afraid to get into. You mm-hmm. got into it in your mid-20s, yeah. so I'd say you're off to a good start. <laughs> Late twenties now, soon twenty six. So oh my, yeah, yeah, just getting so old. That's man, ten years younger than me. Is that so? Ten years? Yeah, doesn't feel like that. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm glad you say that. <laughs> but uh, anyways, man, yeah, developing properties. How how uh, how'd you get into that? Man, it's just something I always wanted to do, right? So since I was seventeen, eighteen, I saw the first crane, and like I come from a very small town of a thousand people. So seeing cranes is not something that we see. Like, I don't remember the last time there's been new construction. Yeah. It's like a custom home, right? So for me, I just got super excited mm-hmm. about it. Uh, I really wanted to do it. So I kind of just told this guy that I work for free for him. I was like, I'll clean floors, whatever you want. He's a real estate developer at the time. I just want to yeah. be around you. Like, don't even worry about mentoring me. Just yeah. let me be like around you to see how this stuff works. So I knew yeah. like really early on that that's what I wanted to do. And so I just kind of kept going after it until, until yeah. I got it. Yeah, and I you had sort of sort of shared similar sentiment when mm-hmm. we first talked. I know you were yeah, like you're obviously an avid learner. You you want to pick up stuff, but I know you want to do it yourself too. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you're always adamant about that. No, I'm gonna do it myself. Yeah, you know what? I'm starting yeah. to get bad at that because I realized uh, I actually do legitimately everything myself. Like even yeah. to the point where I'm the realtor for like the land when I buy it, and I'm like, I really gotta start using other people. Like Why it's just. 
you're a realtor. Why would you need to use somebody else? I know, but you know what? When you do everything uh, yourself and you don't have employees, um, yeah. just eventually you're kind of just like, you're doing a million different things every single day. I feel like I have like 10 different jobs on a daily basis. Yeah, so. yeah what's your what's your typical day look like right now? Ah, it's, it's Every single day is completely different. So it's kind of cool because when you wake up in the morning, it's like you're pretty excited yeah. because you don't know what can happen today. But, you know, I'm a leasing agent. I'm a real estate agent. Um, you know, I'm a construction manager. I'm a developer. So I'm going into the city meetings, plus some construction management. So literally everything. Uh, Minor variances as well on, yeah. on your projects. Yeah. So pretty much everything I've done, not pretty much every single thing that I've ever done, I've had to get at least a minor variance for. Mm-hmm. So I always show up to those myself and, and kind of take care of those myself too. So you you write up uh, the proposal and, yeah. and sketch it out and go into the meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. But I know we talked about this early on. You had uh, somebody, you had a connection in the city planning office, right? Yeah. You know what? It's Connection doesn't really work that much. I mean, they still suck to deal with. Uh, maybe it's yeah. a little bit better for me, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's not that helpful. But you're, re- you're representing yourself yeah. in these meetings, which that's never the easiest thing. Yeah, I find it the opposite. I find that is the easiest thing because, you know, nobody knows the project better than I do. Nobody sure, knows. Sure, but I mean, fits. you're arguing what fits with the bylaw, right? You're, ar- yeah. you're arguing that it's minor in nature, which I guess if you have the definitions isn't the best. Yeah, so deal. I'm a big believer. And if you're going to go into a battle, make sure you're going to win. So like, I don't really pick any losing battles. So like everything that I'm going into, someone else has already either done something similar or I can pick out to the street. Like, for example, let's say I'm doing a minor variance on a 25 foot frontage versus mm-hmm. 35, whatever it needs to be. And I know already that 60% of that street is built on 25 foot frontages. It's yeah. kind of like an unlosable battle. Yeah, um, because ever, you would just be conforming uh, to everything else there. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really try to do anything too crazy that doesn't make sense at all for the neighborhood. Uh, yeah. And if I propose something and the city gives me that kind of feedback where it is unreasonable, mm-hmm. uh, I'll just get creative and figure out a way to make it more reasonable so that. Uh, we keep that 100% win streak. Alive. Okay, so are you circulating it unofficially to the city before you officially uh, submit for a minor variance? No, but so pretty much what happens is you bring it to the planning committee mm-hmm. first. Uh, it's like a pre-submission is what it's called. So they okay. circulate it amongst themselves before you actually go into the minor variance. For your minor the, variance, okay. Yeah, yeah. and for planning, they and for rezoning, they'll always do that yeah. in, in the city of Not Windsor. Not every city least. does that, yeah. Yeah, maybe varies. I've only built in Windsor, so but uh, so they'll tell you right off the hop, be like, look, look that's not going to happen, or. Maybe it'll happen, but it's going to take us 12 months to find out whether it's possible or not. So based off of that feedback, you can kind of adjust yeah, yeah, and go from there. High level, like what, what do you got in your portfolio right now? I know there's a lot of construction development in that. Yeah, uh, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I just built a new one. We were on the podcast talking about it last year, like 12 months ago. Okay. So that one was completed, rented out as of January. Right now I'm building a nine unit, uh, 39 bedroom, 37 bath development. Uh, and that's in, the two separate buildings, correct, the tiny home yeah. in the back. Well, three, technically it's three. Three buildings? Yeah, three buildings. And then... Um, on one lot? Two lots. Two lots? Okay. Yeah, so I split that one. Maybe we'll go into that after. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about and that. And then January of this year, which is like, what, eight months away from now or seven months away? Okay. Um, I'm starting three more developments that will be another 39 bedrooms and 39 baths. So got a little bit on the plate right now. Already secured it? Yeah, well, the land's already done. I just got the minor variances for it. So right now I'm just on building permit stage, but I'm building the same thing I've already built. Um, so I'm just actually transferring the, uh, the, la- the floor like plans the and, everything. and everything. Yeah, I'm just building the same thing. So okay. it's, yeah. So the one with the tiny home. Yeah. That is, what's the big, the build, the big building's the one on the front. Yes. Tiny home in the back. Yeah. What's the big building? So the big building's a fourplex. Um, So it's two six bedroom units mm-hmm. and then two three bedroom units. And everything I build has private bathrooms. So just 
whatever bedrooms I say, just that's the same amount of bathrooms that there's going to be in the development. Oh, okay. I remember we talked about this. You weren't going to do that originally. I know. <laughs> a lot of back and forth between you and I. Yeah. 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 I, okay. I remember you weren't, you weren't going to go down that route. I, mm-hmm. I remember we were going over some of your earlier plans and you, no, it was just more, I think the one we, we kind of went over was like a six bed up top and a three bed in the basement, right? Yep. Yeah. That's the one that I built uh, back it, on the last and it's all done. episode. That one's all done. Yeah. Yeah. And rented it. Rented out, correct. And it cash flows a billion dollars a month. <laughs> no, it's uh, just under three thousand a month. That one, three thousand a month positive cash. Yeah, flow. because when yeah. we, you and I spoke on the uh, podcast last time, the numbers I used were quite a bit under what I was going to get, and I did that by design because you just don't want to like say a number, then I don't get it right. So yeah, I'd rather say it's less than. Yeah, yeah, so I ended up getting it, uh, renting them for more uh, than what we expected. So the cash flow is a little higher. Like uh, what on a per bedroom? So if I don't have a private bathroom, I'll ask for eight hundred per month. Um, and that seems to be readily accepted by the market. Um, I know, I know. It's <laughs> That's crazy. way higher than it, London. It seems so strange even asking for it, but it's just, there's such yeah. a demand for it. Like to the point where I always have more offers on the room, on my last room than there are rooms available. So and are you just filling this it. up with random people? Yeah, that's the way I do it right now. It's kind of copying from the uh, Waterloo scale. Like for my three bedroom units, which now I have a lot of, three bed, three baths, th- those ones I'll rent per unit. But for the six beds, I find it's a little bit better to do per room. So on suites, uh, I'm going to release them for eight ninety five uh, yeah. each for, for this next project. Wow. Yeah. eight ninety five. So only 100 bucks premium? I feel like you can get more of a premium. But if you're piecing it together... Mm-hmm. I think that that makes sense. Why I think I, like I can it. get more as well. It's one of those things again where You're I hope gonna, that next year when I'm on here, I say, "Oh yeah, I surpassed what I, yeah. what I said on the podcast." So I had one that I sold that I had at eight sixty a bedroom. The guy I sold it to is that the Sunset one? Yeah, got he got uh, twelve fifty per room. Per room, twelve fifty per room. Yeah. Wow. But in fairness, it's like the, the best student rental. Oh, that's crazy. In though. It made, is crazy yeah. if you think about it. Twelve fifty per bedroom. Per bedroom. Yeah, insane. It's, it's insane. So I had good cash flow on it. Now yeah. he has great cash flow on it. You know what, though? I always yeah. think of it in this way. So when we first started in Waterloo, renting out these rooms, we were doing like 950 per one-bedroom apartment, luxury one-bedroom apartment. And I remember when we raised it to 1,000, I'm like, no one's going to want this. It's yeah. way too high. And now those same one-bedrooms are going for 1,700, 1,800 per month Yeah, uh, in Waterloo. So it's just, you kind of got to get that uh, thought out of your head of being so worried about charging more. Yeah, I think I think there's been a natural push up in everything, right? Mm-hmm. Because all all rents have gone up. Yeah, housing prices have gone up. So I think that it was natural that the student rental pricing was going to get a good hard push mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, yeah. and it seems to have started to really happen. Well, the thing I look at too is like, so if I'm going to do a per bedroom rental, I'm not really competing with another four bedroom house or a five bedroom house. Yeah. Really, what I'm competing with is studio apartments and one bedroom units. Yeah. So if I can provide, you know, a, a product at that level of luxury, your private bathroom. Well, yeah, that that works a lot for that. Too. So now I'm competing with that price point, which is like fifteen hundred in Windsor for like a good quality one bedroom unit. So now my 900 doesn't seem so ridiculous anymore now it kind of seems like a good deal right? yeah the only thing is they're they're sharing a kitchen sharing a kitchen but with students it's you got to be careful because students are typically not spending much time in the kitchen anyway um, yeah the main thing is the bathroom that they want so if you put it in the bedroom for them that takes care of yeah. that and the second thing is how cleans are going to be in the common area but if i have a bi-weekly maid that comes in and cleans that for them that's now addressed as well right so it's I find that I'm putting them in a better product, a better quality product than they would get in a one-bedroom unit. Mm-hmm. Your sacrifice is you share a clean kitchen, uh, but the benefit is you're right next door to the University of Windsor, which you don't have in a one-bedroom apartment, and your price is almost half, so it, it seems to do well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good proposition. I, I always thought it's, as soon as you go with en-suites, now, now all of a sudden you open up the options. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can just rent it out to a lot more different people, and like you say, yeah. 
they could be randoms and they won't be as hesitant because they're not sharing a bathroom with them. They can just stay in their bedroom. Oh, They've got a, a mini fridge in the bedroom, hopefully not a hot plate, otherwise your insurance won't cover you. Yeah, it's in my uh, lease, it says no hot plates, but we'll <laughs> yeah. see what happens. <laughs> hey, at least it was in the lease. Um, but you know, you kind of you kind of make sure you cover your bases that way, and then they don't worry. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I got my own bedroom. I'm good. Yeah, I'll do. Yeah, that. and like a lot of students are either going to have a meal plan on campus, or they're going to do yeah. skip the dishes for most. Like, I'm just thinking. Like, the great thing about me being 26 is like I literally graduated like two two three years ago, right? Yeah. So I kind of can just think back to like what were you like three years ago? Like I'm kind of the, the client. You graduated at like 21, or you go to school late? Uh. Well, I took five years to graduate. I did two, so two degrees on it. Yeah. So I don't know, 22, 23, how more than I have? 26. It's like three years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. COVID really skips over time. Like you have no concept of time anymore. You had already worked though when we started talking and that was like three years ago. I was working during, uh, yeah. like I worked two jobs throughout my whole four-year degree. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you studied uh, business and economics? Economics and financial management. Okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about stuff like that. So. Absolutely. Let's do it. Um. And yeah, no, I just don't want to skip over what, what you're doing. So obviously, like, just insane, like, how quickly you're, like, I just wish I had the common sense to get into real estate when I was that young. Like, I didn't, I didn't think about it like that yet. And I, I mean, I guess I did buy my first property at 24, but I, like, the knowledge base that you've had mm-hmm. access to, like, I was just buying, like, little crappy single families at that age. Um, well, you know what, for me, it was like, uh, there's one gentleman, I won't say his name, but he had, when I left Waterloo, which is three years ago, I guess. He had like 3,000 student rooms yeah. and like I made it like a personal thing where I wanted to beat him, but yeah. he was very old, like he's in his 60s, so I want to beat him while he's still alive. Um, so so it's a constant him. push because yeah. it's like, you might think that I'm doing well, but I look and it's like, oh, I'll only have 90 bedrooms by September of, of next year. Like we're, we're still pretty far off. So I don't know. I don't really feel like it's going as quickly as, as I'd like to. Yeah. So it's really just a competition. There's I'm no a very competitive person. Yeah. So I would like to win if I can. Yeah. Of course, man. Of course you can. That's the thing. Like, yeah. and think about it for him, like, although the knowledge base wasn't there, it was probably far easier for him to get to the number than it will be for you. So who knows, you know, I always, yeah. uh, I never look at it like that. Like whenever someone says someone has an advantage, I always think, well, I have an advantage on them. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure I have something that they don't have. Yeah. Right. So for me, I always, I throw that stuff out. You know, it's even, even Steven one-on-one competition and let's see who wins. Oh yeah. Who, no, who cares about yeah. like, there's never an excuse mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Like you can look for reasons that you can't do something or you can look for reasons that you can. Yeah. And, uh, clearly you're doing the, uh, the latter. So yeah, for sure. Why not? We have yeah. everything we need. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So let's, let's just kind of break down, um, the one, well, actually you said you have a, what, 3000 cash flow on the one you finished. Yep. And then other, everything else in your portfolio before that was all like, just light cosmetic reno didn't do much oh uh, no you know the last thing i did when we were on you your podcast too is that duplex that was pretty expensive cost me like yeah. probably a hundred thousand uh i sold that oh, i did yeah? really do you want to talk about that one really quick sure. before yeah. we go on well let's go really surface level numbers yeah. but uh just because it's crazy so i bought that right when the pandemic started so everyone was terrified like i didn't compete with any offers on it uh, i think i bought it for three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. i put a hundred thousand into it yeah. so let's say 420 uh, and i sold it for nine hundred thousand. Oh, wow. Um, and this is like in a span of eight months, nine really? months. Holy yeah. crap. So like that was ridiculous. That, that particular, <laughs> so deal. a little $400,000 upside. Yeah. I made more on the uh, new development, but I did them kind of at the same time. Well, the new you didn't sell though. No, but just on the refi, right? 
like oh, okay. uh, the you profit pulled, still you pulled there. more out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What was the valuation you got on the uh, ten thirty five? So a million thirty five. Million thirty five thousand. I think on the podcast I might say like eight hundred thousand or something. Okay, so like a million thirty five, and what did you have uh, into it? Four fifty is what it cost me to build, uh, and then Plus I profited ninety thousand on the lot because I actually made ninety thousand to take the lot. What do you mean you made because i bought the lot both lots for 260 i yeah. severed it sold the existing house for 360 okay minus fees yeah yeah okay okay yeah so that's so the that market worked. sort of blessed you so no cost that's on that lot would, yeah yeah negative yeah. 90 for that lot yeah <laughs> you're associating it yeah no that's good i like that so so you only had like 300 into it and you got a valuation yeah, of over 350 a million. yeah so i maybe made 650 700 on that yeah. Now, what did you pull out and refi on that? So I actually did like really uh, under levered. Like actually, I'm going to do it for all my developments, but I only do 60% LTV. Just take 60, keep yeah, the cash take, flow high. Yeah, take 60. Especially now, it's funny because everybody loves debt when you have negative interest rates, real rates. Well, mm-hmm. we still technically have negative we, real rates. We still rates. do. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that. But assuming yeah. inflation is not bonkers crazy, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you get an interest rate, like a five-year fixed of 6%, maybe you don't love having as much debt as you did when it was like two and a half. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah. And yeah, again, we'll, we'll dig deeper into that. So yeah, I, and I don't disagree. Like, I think that there's, uh, it was hard to predict what would happen Mm -hmm. because of how irresponsible government's been up to this point. So you and I would talk rationally. We'd say, well, there's only one responsible thing to do in a circumstance like this. However, we can't attribute our government to being responsible because they aren't. Mm -hmm. They're, uh, something else <laughs> we'll call it that yeah. uh so so <laughs> that's why we, we we've kind of like talked to like oh you think this i think this it's um it's more of a it's not based on the fundamentals it's based on the as what they're actually going to do Correct. versus what they yeah. should do uh so yeah we'll, we'll we'll dig into that a bit more okay so that one obviously was very good mm-hmm. cash flows very well it doesn't matter if your value goes up or down your cash flow is there yeah i don't really care because you know i hold these assets i i, I look at this much more like a business than mm-hmm. I do like real estate investing, for example. So I don't really care what the price is because I'm not really looking to sell uh, my business. Like I'm mm-hmm. building a student housing yeah. business. So if in five years it's worth less or more, it just really doesn't, doesn't matter, matter to me. It's what, what's not the fundamentals flow, of the business? Yeah. How much is the business producing yeah. on the equity that I have left in the deal? Yeah. That's what I care about. And how likely is it to repeat these type of acquisitions? Well, if we talk about the next one, it's by like a factor of like three or four times better than the last development. So we'll probably jump into the number surface level at least. Yeah, on, yeah, no, we, we will. That. I mean, are you still able to find these type of deals? Um, Yeah, but you know what? It all comes down to in 12 months, what's the interest rate at? What's the market value of the real estate mm-hmm. at? And what's the cost of construction? It's just such a weird time like that where it's like if I could buy the land now and finish construction in a day, Yes, I could do this deal again, yeah. but where do those values yeah. take us in 12 months? I think the, the natural market reaction is going to be to uh, people who are going to start a build are not going to now. So mm-hmm. demand for lumber, all these building materials goes down. I think so so too. hypothetically, a lot of construction costs are going to come down mm-hmm. as a result of the higher interest rates. That's a hypothetical should happen. The market force should dictate that that would happen. Um, will it? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I have a comment for that, yeah. but I feel like we're going to have a segment of economics, so maybe I'll wait. Yeah, uh, the economics. Wait segment. for that. What's your comment? Well, I just think that a period of stagflation is the most likely scenario. We are in stagflation now. Exactly, yeah. So w- yeah. W- with that being said, and I understand that the uh, demand for construction prog- uh, products will decrease a little bit, um, but I don't think that the overall cost of construction will come back to a reasonable point. No, like, no, I'm not saying, I don't think reasonable, but I mean, 
we used to be like you know 250 for a two by four by eight now we're six bucks we were as high as 15. yeah it got uh, a little yeah. bit crazy and yeah. i think a lot everything's a little bit crazy like even when yeah. you look at for example gta that's decreased 15 percent in three months it's not a real 15 percent it's just those crazy highs that yeah, weren't yeah, realistic like peak, anyway because right? so, we're still up on the year probably exactly we have no rationale of what intrinsic yeah. value is on these assets so we cannot yeah. make a, a comment to, to base where yeah. values are now it's still kind of Fugazi, right? It, so it we'll have to see. Fugazi? Yeah, Fugazi, Fugazi, <laughs> Wazi, it's a woozy. Have you ever seen Wolf of Wall Street? I have, I have, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was like, where have I, where have I heard that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. Like, there's so many things that don't don't line up with any sort of fundamental for me, like, in the market right now. Like, back in the, back in the day when we started all this, I was the one saying, you can't do this. You can't tell people to stay home because we're going to drive inflation through the roof, right? Mm -hmm. You're printing money and stopping production of goods and services. That's a horrible combination. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to just create inflation, but it didn't do it right away. It, you know, people banked that money. And then when they started spending the money and things opened up, then that really drove inflation. Yeah. I think it was just terribly handled. And like, I, I yeah. don't like saying that because like I'm a 26 year old kid where could I do a better job? I don't, I don't, think that I probably could, but I think you could, but it wasn't done very well. But I mean, think about it. You and I can have this conversation and be completely right. And I've had mm -hmm. people, people say to me, I've been listening to you since the beginning of all this. And like everything you said came true. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't felt, think any, I felt the same way as well, yeah. but how many times does that happen out of five? I don't know. I think it happened a lot because I think these issues were very obvious. Yeah. Uh, so, so then you look at it, it's, it's either malice or stupidity mm -hmm. on, on the part of the government. Uh, it's, I think it's it a nice combination of both. It seems hard to believe that that level of stupidity could exist at See, that level. I agree that I, I agree. I don't. I don't believe like so many people like to argue. Well, you know that that it's that old razor. I forget what your razor it is, but never attribute to malice what you could you could yeah. attribute to. Well, ignorance. a lot of times decisions are made, and I look, you know, at the TV watching the decision. I'm like, you know better. There's no way that you don't yeah. know better. Well, a politician's job. Your politicians' number one and number two concerns. I saw this quote the other day: are getting elected and getting reelected. Yep. So everything else falls after that. Yeah, and is not of concern. That's what I mean by I don't know if I could do a better job because I I'm not in their shoes, and until I'm in their shoes, yeah. I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. It just it it made me lose any little bit of faith I had in the system to the point where now I just assume everything's inverted and upside yeah, you down. You can't, you can't yeah. count on them for sure. Yeah, that, yeah. that was a big growing yeah. uh, stage for me too, where like the obvious isn't necessarily going to happen. So you mm -hmm. always have to assign a realistic probability to, to multiple yeah. scenarios, yeah. right? You can't be certain that the logical scenario will happen. That was a learning curve for me. Which is the hardest part now, right? So, so yeah. I'll go on Mark's channel or whatever. We'll talk, well, what do we think is going to happen? I'm like, what are yeah, our, his what channel are is actually my favorite favorite to watch i think for like uh updates yeah. and stuff yeah what are your what are our basis for assumptions are, yeah. are we going to assume that people are logical the government is logical and following sound principles or are we going to assume that what's been happening will continue to happen so this is why i mean you've got a government that they handed people money mm -hmm. and you know was everyone's best friend and now they're increasing interest rates and breaking the backs of the middle class. The people who are trying to buy houses, bought in the peak and now getting hurt. Well, only it. the over levered uh, yeah. in the middle class really get Which hurt during these things because lot. it's really hard to, yeah. to, to, to lower that wealth gap because the people, I'm not saying that all rich people are smart inherently, but they're usually quite clever, uh, the ones yeah. that do well the proper way. So it's hard to really lower that gap by like doing yeah. things like this yeah. because they're going to kind of figure out what, what's happening and adapt to that. So it's right. really the middle class 
that don't have uh, assets that really get hurt on it. Yeah. And it's difficult because well, it, cre- it, cre- it increases the gap, right? Yeah. And it's like little things like, you know, when you're, when your cost of life pretty much is inflating 20%, I think that's a realistic number to say between 20 gas to 25. And, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's pretty challenging for a lot of people. And yeah. It's just too bad to see. It is. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like seeing that. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, we have government debt uh, mm-hmm. at a very large quantity that have racked up, you know, half, uh, trillion yeah it's incredible uh you know over the course of the last year and a half two years so you know that now we're, we're looking at higher interest rates and all that debt because interest rates rise mm-hmm. then we're, we're looking at people who yes they passed a stress test so they had this this buffer of interest rate from the you know two percent they were getting and they were qualifying at five point you know two or whatever it was um theoretically that should cover them theoretically you know, all these landlords who bought, you know, have properties that met the, you know, the DCR and they were okay. But, but keep in mind, that's only accounting new. for interest rates. So yeah. that's only your cost of What debt. about all your ta- property taxes, your hydro, your, your utilities? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things. Those that are the come things that create, that create the challenges. Right. And, and so when I think about this happening, um, if you think about like real inflation, like what it, what it actually is. It's definitely uh, in the double digits. It's definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, I've always, <laughs> I've been saying like we're like 20% uh, for a while now. And I think that we are realistically Close. right now, um, even if we're not fully there. But mm-hmm. I think we were even before all of this, we were probably more like a five or a six ever since 2008. You're a Peter Schiff follower. I think I've listened to a bit of Peter Schiff. I mean, I don't, <laughs> That's I don't his opinion like, as well. I don't, um, overdo it with him, but yeah. I agree with a lot of what he says, um, because a lot of what he says makes very logical sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so if, if, if we're, we're in this position now, um, if they increase the interest rates, obviously they're going to scare people and they're going to, they're going to back things off. But can you actually, uh, conquer a 20% inflation with a 3% interest rate. They have absolutely no chance of conquering inflation. Unless you create enough fear. See, I, I've, I've long said that the, the triggering event would be one where people would lose their pensions or they would lose uh, their investment portfolio and it would actually create a meaningful change in their behavior. Mm-hmm. That That's what's needed to actually change inflation is they actually have to create a meaningful change in people's behavior. And the unfortunate part of that is that can take a catastrophic, catastrophic event. Um, yeah, or great use of media. Like, I mean, you saw fear, during yeah, the yeah. pandemic how much it matters, right. media, yeah. to the point where like, oh, people will uh, change their behaviors based off of that, right? So, yeah. and I think they're doing a great job of it right now. Like, if you look at any news station, it's all about yeah. how the economy is coming down and how housing yeah. prices are coming down, everything. And you can kind of look at it and be like, okay, this will change behavior. And it, like being a real estate agent, I see yeah. the change in the market and it's catastrophic. It's huge. Well, yeah, you've had quite a correction although yeah. are, would you say you're under the the starting year price no. for average pricing no yeah. we're not there yet and like mm-hmm. i said it's impossible to know an actual market value yeah. of where we're at like a lot of it's fear and like the fear comes from the seller as well that just wants to get yeah. rid of it because they think the yeah. price is going to zero you have a couple savvy investors you know i see some some deals that come by i'm like oh that was, that was a fairly good deal i think yeah. the seller must have been scared right so yeah. those things all influence mm-hmm. the price so i think it'll probably take us 12 to 16 months to figure out where yeah. we really are uh, in terms of market price. Yeah, who knows? Could could be even longer. Yeah, I mean, re- real estate's not like the stock market. It doesn't mm-hmm. just it doesn't just happen, you know, as, as quickly as it's been happening for the Except stock for REITs, market. You, sometimes I like to look at uh, REITs. REIT pricing? To, to yeah. see, yeah, to yeah. see what, what's what's being factored in, in current times. And like you have Capriot, for example, which I invested in when I was like 17 years old or something like that. I still hold it just because sentimental value, but uh, it's down like 25% year over mm-hmm. year and it's just like a index of canadian apartment buildings right sounds like an opportunity yeah 
I don't know. I haven't done the uh, in, no, in depth math either. of the portfolio to know, but buy the dip. Yeah. <laughs> I learned so, that. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't uh, whoever's watching this. Yeah, don't yeah, don't no, say that I told you to buy. We that. don't give don't you know. advice on the show. Yeah. Uh, we just talk. So um, where were we? We were kind of predicting what will happen, how long it will take to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the, the lever to control is going to be uh, interest rates. There's other things they can do, regulations, which they are doing, like Airbnb regulations. Those are happening now. Um, who knows what they're going to cap uh, increases in, uh, in rental rates, too. That could have effects. Um, there's a lot of things that could, that could come into play here. Mm-hmm. I guess the question is, yeah, is it going to be enough fear created by these marginal interest rate cre- uh, increases to lower their consumer price index, uh, to lower the growth in it? So... That's really what it'll come down to. But it, my goodness, to think of you know another three quarter basis point or another three quarter percent mm-hmm. uh, hike in July. I mean, by the time this airs, we'll be into July already, so we'll know if that happened. Um, and then more on top of that, uh, I don't think because of the fear mechanism, I don't think that they need to go that much higher. I think you know maybe another point on top of that, and and we see a really meaningful change. But then we're going to have to see prices come down a bit. Uh, yeah, Could you know what? 25%. I spent a lot of time and a lot of mental energy before trying to predict these things and trying yeah. to get a better grasp. And then I thought, you know what is a better use of my time? Let's assign a realistic probability to the three yeah. likely scenarios that are there. Yeah. Make sure that I'm covered for the mm-hmm. three scenarios and put myself in a position where I'm not playing defensive during because yeah. you don't want to be, especially no, like worst. if you want to win, if you, you really want to win, you can't be defensive. You, yeah. you have to play yeah. moderately aggressively. So put myself in a position where if the worst case scenario happens that I'm fine and I'll move forward and let's spend no time thinking about the yeah. macroeconomic situation because I won't know because anything could happen. Too many people have to make decisions for it to happen, right? Yeah. It's, it's policy decisions that are going to affect well, it. And yeah. you always have like an outlier where it's like another pandemic or a huge, you know, environmental problem or, you know, a, a government leader decides to bomb someone that shouldn't be bombed. Yeah. These things are out of my control and will completely throw off my model. And I can't, yeah, you can't assign, I, yeah. I can't assign yeah. any, any, so, so I, I have to just be realistic with, with what I can control and focus on the things I can control and make sure that I can move the business forward. Right. Okay. One thing I wanted to mention is mm-hmm. I, um, I think the one the one wrench in this whole property is coming down. And when you messaged me why I didn't think it was going to come down quite as much is we still have the immigration. We're still bringing people to this country. We still don't have enough houses. And as the rental rates come up, as these people who would be buyers rent instead, it's going to also push people back towards buying. So, it, you know, it could dip and then come back up. So it's hard to say that things are going to go down and stay down. I think that in yeah. the short term, anything's possible. Mm-hmm. We could have a 50% correction in the short term, but it's about the longer term. I mean, I know back in 2008, credit crisis hurt things a lot more, brought things back a lot, down a lot longer. The 91 uh, correction kept things down a lot longer for, you know, for values to get back up. It took a lot longer, but we never had the, uh, the immigration that we have now. And if you look at like a place like Japan, real estate consistently going down, but they don't allow people to immigrate to their country. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't, you don't immigrate to Japan. Well, look, there's really no anyway. question about it in the long term. Yeah, things have to go up. Things will go up and, and it's a great business to be in. And yeah. you know what? In our lifetimes, Andrew, and yeah. you know, we're both pretty young. In our lifetimes, that will be the case that uh, the population will be rising. After that, mm-hmm. things could change just the way um, it's exponential growth, right? Population, yeah. it's b- both down and up is exponential. Yeah. So after my lifetime, my child's lifetime, I don't know that the population will increase every every single year. Not yet. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I do. Um, 
So, so for, for our lifetime, it's a business that I want to be in. So yeah. I'm not really worried about these debt cycles because as long yeah. as I can stay afloat during those times, yeah. which means don't be over levered, have yeah. enough cash on hand and make sure that your businesses make sense that, yeah. that you're buying in. Um, and then, you know what, save yourself some nights of sleep. Don't worry too much about the yeah. macroeconomic side of things. Oh, and you're in a good position. Like you're, you're doing it textbook, right? Being in Windsor, having the cash flow opportunity mm-hmm. that you do, and then making really smart moves on top of it. Um, you're well positioned. You have huge cash flow buffer in these properties. Doesn't matter where the property values go. We know in, in recessions, people still go to school. So unless something bad enough happens that shuts down the campuses for an extended period of time, it seems like you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, I think so. And you know what? I, I think student housing is one of the gl- greatest inflation hedges because I have annual turnover. Mm-hmm. So I can really increase annual? the rents. Yeah, it's pretty well annual. I mean, right? So actually, like the that? way I set up the leases. Um, and there'll probably be a paralegal that comments like that's not legal, but whatever it is, what it is. So pretty much the way I set it up is a 12 month term. Mm-hmm. We sign on 11s together and we sign a piece of paper, your mom, your dad, me and you saying that this lease ends at the end of this 12 months. And I even have this thing that says like, regardless of LTB and LTA, I know that's not going to fly in a core law, but for 99.9% of people, mm-hmm. it won't get to that point. So yeah. pretty much it's an annual cutoff. And then at the end of that year, if we want to renew, We'll renew at the new prices for for that mm-hmm. for that year. So it's just the way I set up my personal yeah. student housing portfolio, where it's an annual turnover of rents. And I think in a high inflation period, there's really nothing better than that. So if if inflation, which is, I'd say realistically over the next half decade, I could be wrong, but it'll probably be around a four to five percent inflation rate over the next Assuming half decade. Assuming they stop doing the spending, right? Yeah. If they keep spending like they were, they will printing keep, money. They will keep spending, Andrew, because like they're the at deficit? a deficit. They're at a deficit. What are they going to do? If about they keep it? deficit spending like that, I think it's going to have to be more. Well, who do you have in power right now? liberals and democratics are they gonna are they gonna lower that deficit no probably not so that will happen but i think i think realistically you'll probably be at a five if they just like if they did nothing no interest rate uh hikes at all and they just put interest rates you know back to like two percent or whatever it would come down eventually like as long as they stop spending if they just stopped eventually the inflationary effect of that money would stop of course but if they keep doing it it never stops but they will keep doing yeah. it um, because austerity is the other option. They're not going to do that. They're not going to yeah. decrease government spending. So yeah. they haven't even put in, like if we're talking U.S., which realistically that's what matters, um, they yeah. haven't even started the infrastructure bill yet, like putting that money to use. Oh, yeah. Like that still has to come. That's, you know, we won't go too deep into it, but I feel like the fact that some people think inflation will disperse is, is, is pretty ludicrous to me. I find it very unlikely. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> I do too. And I mean, that. so, so I mean, the moral of the story is obviously own assets, but own assets that can hedge against this. Yeah. And I always used to think, you know, student rentals were like the perfect hedge. Nothing's perfect, but they're a Nothing's good perfect. hedge. They're, they're well, the downside is you're susceptible to interest rates. That's yeah. the downside of, of student housing. It's a levered asset class. Well, the thing I don't like about it is, uh, especially with, with mine, was that they were all very so purpose built. Like mm-hmm. they would not cater well to families. And I didn't feel like they had a great pivot. And uh, for me, I'd rather have a mix. I, I, I don't want that to be the concentration of my portfolio. It's great as a piece. Mm-hmm. I didn't want it to be the whole thing. And um, so I wanted to diversify a bit more. I, did, I had uh, James Fernandez on here earlier talking about his investments in storage lockers. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. Because in a, in a downturn, when people are selling off their houses, they store mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, the <laughs> diversification is cool. I'm yeah. at the stage where it's like, I want to play in, in, a, in a big league where it's, mm-hmm. whether it's billions, my real goal is, is to be a trillionaire, but mm-hmm. l- let's say it's billions or something. The only way I'm going to get there is by in my 20s and 30s to win at one thing. 
because yeah. I can't be the best at storage. Yeah, I can't get it. I can't everything. be the best at everything, but I yeah. can maybe be the best at one thing. So if I can yeah. drive that home and yeah, then I, I get you. Yeah. use the capital to lever and turn it into a yeah, conglomerate where sure. I buy other companies, that's fine. Yeah. But I think I need uh, to be all in on one thing first. Focus is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And that's similar to how I, I started it up. I focused on student rentals, like when I really got serious mm-hmm. about real estate. And uh, it's a great asset class, man. It's a great yeah, way to make nice. a lot of money. I like it. I actually find it's so easy to deal with student tenants. Like so I, easy. I, once you have your systems in place, like people are like, oh, it's, it would be great if you didn't have to deal with those students. I'm like, I actually think that's like amazing. Oh, I love dealing with <laughs> students because you get a guarantor to sign on to. Yeah. And it's like these guarantors are making six figures, at least the product that uh, I, it's yeah. a luxury product. Yeah, it, it depends, right? If you have a crappy product, then I wouldn't want to deal yeah. with the students but either. But good luck getting yeah. that kind of like mom and dad co-signing in their jobs that they have. Like good yeah. luck getting that kind of tenant in a multifamily property. It's not going to Exactly. Happen. Yeah, you got happen. mom and dad like owning companies, especially like stuff I own, like be very well to do there's ever a missed rent payment uh you email the tenant cc the mom that's paid within an hour and you'll never get a late payment again uh from that tenant so yeah yeah it's it's, uh, interesting like uh, the way students fear their parents oh yeah yeah i I mean i still do if i get an angry text from my dad right now i'm worried you know what i mean and i'm 26 years old so i don't think that goes away (laughs) and that's wild 26 yeah you're you're doing good man that's awesome i'm glad uh glad to see you having the success so uh, the new building, let's talk about the numbers on sure. it. All right. So the new building, uh, I purchased this lot, uh, for $640,000. I put 50,000 into the existing house. So I'm 690 just to make it okay. like more uh, up to, okay. up to what I like to present as a product. Okay. So we're at 690 for land. Uh, let's just do it as one product. That's going to be easier to do the sure. math on. Um, so the construction costs on one side will be 1.3 mil. Okay. And the construction cost for the other side will be seven hundred thousand. Uh, so your two mil, let's call it two point seven mil. So you're rebuilding the house that was on the one side that you already put money into. No, so I just renovated that to keep it, and then I'm going to build an addition onto the back of that. That okay. addition comprised of three more oh, units. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right. The, the, and the reason why Andrew just maybe someone's interested at home is because it's a thirty four hundred square foot house. Yeah. It's in great shape. Um, to tear that down and rebuild it is phenomenally expensive. And I already have a six bedroom unit there, which is what I would build anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why not just keep it for $50,000 instead of tearing it down and rebuilding it for like 300. Yeah. So just build onto it. And, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I have the lot size. So that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you're in for about 2 million, uh, on two construction points, Yeah, so then 2.69 for, yeah, let's call it 2.7. Yeah, so 2.7. 2.7 is what I'm in. And then it's, uh, appraised at for the construction loan, which is like a month or so ago, uh, for four two fifty, so four four mil and a quarter for the project. All right, so let's see here. Oh, man, that's that's big leagues. That's awesome. So, are you going to be a seventy five percent refinance on that? Probably not. No, I'm going to do uh, sixty. Right, sixty. Yeah, I'm going to do sixty. Especially uh, with uh, with what's happening. Yeah, yeah. with what's happening. The lenders are going to be a little tighter on it too. Yep. Um, all right, so four two five. Okay, so four point two five million, and what do you figure your rents are going to be? I know you're conservative. Yeah, well, let's keep on conservative. So go eight ninety five across thirty nine bedrooms. All right, thirty nine. That's both lots together. Yeah, that, we're just going to do yeah. it as a project. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We'll be here so thirty four nine a month. That's all right. 
So 418,000 annually, that's not bad for gross rent. Okay, what do you have any sort of indication what your taxes are gonna be on that? Yeah, so one side's 12,000, the other one's gonna be about 9,500. Um, okay, so 20,000-ish. Yeah. You already know the exact numbers? Yeah, because there was a similar bill that- uh, You looked it up. Yeah, on. I looked it up. Yeah. The property. Okay, insurance maybe like four grand or 4,500? Yeah, I'd say 5K. All right, maintenance, 5%. You can put whatever you want. I, I in-house manage it, so. Well, yeah, for management, I haven't put anything, but yeah, management. Yeah, the maintenance seems to be quite low when it's a new build, which yeah, is of nice, course. but, but whatever yeah, just, you want to put just in. Just budgeting for life cycle. Yeah. So management, I'm going to put like 0.5%, sure. like, which is just two grand. You're not even going to be that. You're uh, going to be you're Whatever be like, you want to put for the numbers. 0.2% for management. I'm not trying to sell anybody on anything here, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> Eight, 800 bucks, we're going to call it. Like, it's just, sure. just the stuff, like the incidentals, yeah. whatever. And here, let me get my calculator yeah. out for the uh, utilities. Yeah. So we'll do this in two separate ones. Go hydro and water for one. Okay. Uh, so we got 350 times two plus 200, which is 900 plus 700. So 1600 per month for hydro and water. 1600 across the two, yeah. Yeah, and then 325 per month is the gas bill. For both houses together? Yeah, okay. and and the cool thing with, uh, actually, you know what? Go, go up a little bit. Go to 400 for that because uh, I just saw that they're raising 20% Enbridge. I don't know if you saw that or not. I hadn't yet, but yeah, they're raising costs. We'll find out. So actually, quick, really quick sidebar. This is why utility companies typically don't end up doing all that well during high inflation times is because the cost to produce the gas, for example, is quite high. Um, yeah. So it's it's tough to factor in for infl inflation on it. Like yeah, because they have to, they they have to be won't. slower about their increases. Yeah it, yeah, it is a tricky asset. You would think yeah. otherwise, but... Yeah. Um, so internet's cool because my electrician actually books it in where I have these hub commuters and whoever is into tech is going to laugh at that terminology because I don't know what they're called but pretty much every unit every floor you has these like access points exactly so you yeah. just have one service for the whole for, two buildings I'll have to have two because one for each lot just because yeah. of the size of them but so I pay about 150 so go 300 per month for uh for internet yeah. there's probably a way you can get away with not having two but. yeah and then so the maid service is actually quite cheap and the reason why is because everyone has a yeah. private bathroom so all the maid is doing is cleaning nine kitchens Okay. On on a monthly on a monthly go. So you're about let's say nine so nine hours, let's say, times twenty five. That's bi weekly times two. So your maid service will run you about four fifty per month for the whole project. All right. So every two weeks you said or every one? Four fifty is the monthly. I multiplied it by two okay. already. Four fifty. You're on top of this, Marco. It's good. Well, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, 5,900 for, uh, for that and sort of like a $500 miscellaneous for anything cool. that comes up. Do you have anything for landscaping? Um, yeah, we'll have to do something for landscaping, right? I don't know what it'll cost right now. I pay my guy, uh, $30 per cut does every other week. So $60 for cutting. The thing will be snow removal though, because I have a 10 car parking lot. You put whatever you think is appropriate. I don't know yeah, yet. Let's just say fifteen hundred. That'll be considered. But also, we didn't add in the revenue for the parking lot. That's another uh, five hundred per month. I do fifty dollars per parking spot. So let's cancel <laughs> cancel those out. Uh, <laughs> Pay for the snow removal. Uh, so fifty times how much? Well, uh, ten. So five hundred per month times twelve months of, uh, no, for watch. the parking. Yeah, that's the monthly. Okay. So yeah, I just added it to your rental income. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you are gonna do all right on this one. So let's yeah. just see. It'll, it'll, it'll be, it'll be nice. 25 year amortization. You're going to yep. be at like 5% interest rate. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's insane. Yeah, I know. So, so you're going <laughs> to, let's see, you're going to have like $150,000 into it and you're going to have $13,000 a month in cash flow. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think it'll, it'll, it'll be a little bit higher than 13000 per month. Yeah. Oh, but it's because we went conservative on, on the rent. So that makes sense. Yeah, like if you actually get rents, like we both know that you probably can. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, I mean, that's it's, one building that's just life changing. But for the sake of the podcast, let's be conservative. It's yeah. like 13000 per month for that one. Yeah. Dude, not bad. Not bad. I yeah, like this. Okay. Do your parents, uh, do they ever have any interest in real estate or entrepreneurship or anything like that? No, but my parents, uh, hopefully if they accept, will both come work uh, with me in Windsor next year. So my goal was always actually like in university, my mom works at a factory, both my parents do. Mm-hmm. So in university, when I first started, when I was kind of broke, I guess, 17, 18, my background on my phone was my mom and her factory outfit. Mm-hmm. And like that was like my why, right? To get her out of that factory. So if they accept, my proposal would be nice for them to both come and join the family business next year as full-time employees. So that's the goal for, for 2023. Yeah, that'd be cool. So yeah, whereabouts yeah. do they live? So they live in West Lawrence. Uh, so anyone listening, maybe somebody knows about it, but it's about an hour and a half away from Windsor okay. um, and about 30 minutes from London. So around that area. Okay. Yeah. I, I know I've seen it on the map at some point. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. That's a, it's an inspiring story and it's inspiring that like a lot of people, like it's hard to shake their like their upbringing, right? The way their parents thought, it's hard mm-hmm. for them to let go of that and think differently. And um, like, what do you attribute it to? I think I was just born with it. My parents yeah. would probably agree with you because like ever since I was little, I was always trying to make a dollar and always talking about being rich and being wealthy, like to the point where my parents would always say, they used to always say spustise. So spustise in like Serbian, my language is like, put, put yourself down, like put yourself on the ground. Like, cause I always lived in the clouds, yeah. my mom used to say. So it was just an yeah. internal, internal thing. But like, yeah. I was raised really, really well. Like I had amazing parents. Like mm-hmm. they never kept up with the Joneses. They did not yeah. care what anybody else was driving, what anyone else was living yeah. in. They saved money. They had no mortgage on their house by 2008, um, which we came in Canada. They probably bought the house in 1997. So yeah. pr- pretty quickly paid off the Were you born in Canada? Or you were- I was born in Canada. My brother was born in, in Croatia. Okay. Um, so I learned a lot of good things. And like, uh, you know, I always say to my dad, if I ever grow up and be half the man that you are, that, that's a win for me. So- I can't say that growing up in like a non-affluent house was any disadvantage at all. I think it was an advantage because like yeah. the, I learned so many great things from my parents. So Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and it's, there's no entitlement, right? Like yeah. everything you get, you earn. For sure. Yeah. Like I grew up in a very like simple family. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a whole lot. My parents struggled with it. And it makes it makes me appreciate anything I, I can achieve a lot more. For sure. Man, it's, it's funny you say that because, you know, now where I've gotten to the point where, you know, I do have a little more freedom in terms of like a financial yeah. standing. I don't know how to say that, but um, yeah. every step of the way I've always felt mm-hmm. like I've been rich, dude. Like when I made $25 an hour, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm making money. So I've always yeah. felt every step has been, you know, fun for me. So that's cool, man. So are you still like an active realtor? Not really. So you're no. not really pushing the business? No, not really. Yeah. I, I'm not really as much of an active, active realtor. Uh, I like to help people though. I do get like some sort of satisfaction that. So if it's like the right match, I will do it. Mm-hmm. But for probably 80% of clients, I, I, I don't take on. Yeah. Do you refer that business to other people? Or? Yeah. I have a couple of people in, in Windsor that I trust and it's not based off of who's my best friend. It's based off of who I think is, is the most capable to help that person because my name's attached to it. But uh, I, I do usually push it off the zone and I actually don't take a referral cut on it either at all. So yeah, you just give it off to them. Give it off. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly like if you're evaluating your time, like 
these numbers like the the wealth that you're creating like let's just go back to these <laughs> these numbers on this this specific deal um and you're you're in the ground i've been following your stories so i i know how that's going um, yeah. you'll only have 150 uh, thousand of your own money sort of left in the deal according to these numbers of course that could change yeah but uh you know you've got something that there's an extra 1.75 million in value in <laughs> equity yeah right there that's not bad it's not a bad add to your net worth yeah it's nice yeah it's nice and then i'm building uh two more of those um essentially yeah how long do you think it'll be before so yeah. we're in end of june right now how long will it be until that was so done? that will be done by january and it will yeah. for sure be done by january and as soon as it's done january i'm going to start the next one for people September, move in in it. january yep i'll have people okay. move in in january and back when we first started talking I, you eventually i know you were going to manage things yourself then you found somebody that was going to manage your construction mm-hmm. for you so I essentially use uh, him almost as an assistant for, for certain things, like when I have a lot in another area, but I find that I just keep taking over construction anyway, mm-hmm. just because I'm kind of like that personality. Um, so for the projects in, in, in January, I'm, I'm not going to have him there okay. uh, with me. I'm just going to do it myself, but it's kind of like a team effort. Yeah now but are you connected directly with all the trades that we're absolutely i i mean yeah i handle everything any problem that comes up it's me that deals with it i'm on site every single day i don't know that he's on site maybe you know once a month or something how far do you live from these sites very close yeah and like i don't even look at his work like i want to be on site and when i show up on site no one's there i'm pissed like why are we not doing anything oh yeah i know and you know know that happens 50% yeah. 50% of construction is nothing's happening yeah. on the site. Right? I love so. that you live close to it, man. I'd love, yeah. love it if Burlington numbers worked like Windsor numbers. <laughs> I think that the numbers will work wherever you go. It's about being creative about it because nobody's making that kind of profit on developments in, in Windsor either. You know, there's a guy that built, uh, and I won't say his name, but he built this like eight story condo in uh, downtown Windsor. And he was bragging to me about the profit he made with three partners. And it was less than the profit I'm making on randolph suites and i thought it was funny because i didn't say anything about that development but it, I, I don't know i think that if, if, if you're yeah. good at what you do and if you're creative enough it doesn't really matter where you are you're gonna figure it out you. right yeah. yeah yeah there's no excuse for anybody yeah, <laughs> yeah i think in any market i mean yeah. if your market's decreasing 30 percent per annum that's it gets a little bit more well, challenging. there's there's uh does it make sense for me to try this uh that's a different conversation mm-hmm. like it, it could my my time be spent better in this location maybe sometimes there's a logical argument for that for sure but like you said, like there's people making money everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and and Every, you know, like everywhere, there's and there's always a way. Money everywhere, and I like in the way, worst markets yeah. in the worst people are always making money. Yeah, exactly. It's about the way they think about it. Yeah, are you looking? What are you looking for? Because if you're looking for a reason why you can't, you find that you're looking mm-hmm. for a reason you can find that. Well, even look at yeah. you know the S and P five hundred is crashing twenty five percent. Year to date, but then you look at Sanderson Farms up probably four percent. You look at Enbridge probably up twelve, thirteen percent. Yeah, the you know? utility so companies are going to do well. Yeah, and there's always people yeah. are always making money. Yeah. So, so what would you do if you're scratch right now? Where where would you start? Like if I was starting from nothing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd be really excited about this time because I think you're going to have people that are going to get quite terrified and give up their assets for little to nothing. And I think now is the time the dollar, to do yeah. a VTB if you have no money right now. Yeah. And someone's really itching to sell and they can't sell and you propose a VTB, let's say you approach to a hundred people and one says yes, mm-hmm. that's a huge advantage. That could change your life because I think about it this way. If you can get the asset for 20% under today's market value mm-hmm. and you can lock in a rate that's going to be less than the rate within eight to 12 months, 
I think you'll do quite well with that asset over the next five, five to seven years because you're already pretty much taking that hit, the 20% hit off the top from people's fear. Yeah. You're locking in a lower cost of borrowing. So you're saying give them even less than the current current mortgage. Of course. Rates. They're yeah, terrified. Yeah, of course. They, you, actually, you're right because I remember John Kepler telling me he'd get people in at 1% to 2% mm-hmm. on the mortgage rates. And this was back when, so well, pe- I mean, interest rates were 25 to 3 This is the time to do the v- yeah. VTB. People will give it to you way below the cost of borrowing. If you can uh, convince them to fix it for a little bit of time, they just want to exit the asset. They're worried that they're yeah. not going to be able to exit the asset. So, oh, if I was new, and yeah, yeah that would be a great way to start. I think you'll do quite just well. Just go in and, and win- make sure Windsor will still be the market. Obviously. It doesn't matter. I don't, care. I don't care for Windsor more than I care for another city. I think that if I was in Hamilton, I'd be doing the same thing. I think that if I was in... No, the max student rental pricing is a lot different though. I think student rental pricing, you'll be capped towards your competing competitors. I think that if I was in Waterloo, for example, or Hamilton, or even a London, I'd be higher uh, rent than I am right now. Um, yeah, I, I think so. Generally speaking, you should yeah. be. Yeah. So you'll pay a little bit more for acquisition. Yeah. The cost of construction is going to be relatively the same. Yeah, I, I'll have to I'll tell you, like the twelve fifty a room thing blew me away. It's uh, nuts, right? And yeah. in Waterloo, I know a company, uh, Res One is what they're called. They do a fantastic job. JD Developments is who builds it, but they do a thousand per room for five bedroom, five yeah. bath units. Well, here's where I knew I knew that there was like a, a disconnect because I was pricing high, like extremely high, to the point where people would say like that's ridiculous that I was getting eight sixty a room. And I'm like, well, look at Lux. Like, you know, you have two people oh, sharing Lux. these apartments yeah. and they're like, I don't know what they were paying. They're bond then. suites too. Like they're yeah. uh, bedrooms with no windows and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they would, um, yeah, exactly. They would have a curtain dividing wall because they couldn't actually yeah. make it. That project's uh, Masonville Yards, I think it's called or something. Yeah. The one that you're talking about right now with the curtains in London. Oh yeah. Yeah. They changed the name. Oh, then that maybe you're talking about the original Lux. They also yeah. just built Masonville Yards. They have oh, the same okay, uh, okay, bond yeah. suites. Pretty much any city, yeah. the student housing, I'll probably know the main players in right. the building. Okay, so so basically in, in that one, uh, you know, one kitchen they're sharing, no backyard. They're in an apartment, yeah, two bed. And, and then I guess they would sometimes have four people living in them because they would sh- the two beds was actually, cause that's all they could build. They were in the floodplain. Yep. But they would have a curtain dividing wall and they basically marketed it as a four bed and these people were paying like, 800 some case well now they just moved up yeah. i was reading uh yeah. just to know how obsessed and much of a geek i am with student housing i was reading through the reddit forums of their masonville yards project just mm-hmm. because i want to know yeah. what do they build what price point do they go with how do the yeah. customer react to that what are the customer's complaints yeah. about living there yeah how can i make my product better and and learn from the mistakes that they've made um, but I read in the uh, forum that they were raising it up to like 2600 for the two-bedroom unit which would be 1300 per person yeah um so that's quite high so so that and i was starting to see like individual kids were paying quite a bit for mm-hmm. something that i thought was inferior to houses it's just like the houses it was for some reason you know you're getting six people instead of two it's obviously yeah. a little bit harder to sell uh but i knew that the potential was there and it's interesting to see you know the rates creeping up and i think in the luxury side of things there's always going to be those people that are willing to pay more, especially when their parents, to their parents, 1300 a month isn't even a big deal. So the luxury sign is such a beautiful, you have a responsibility as a luxury provider that you have to build a great product, right? You you really do. And and you have to stand by your product and make it great. But the the benefit of the luxury sign is you really have no ceiling and you create the ceiling Mm -hmm. because our targeted market is such a unique market because it is the king of flex is is what I call these students, right? So they want, 
the IG photo and at that restaurant that costs a hundred dollars for a steak, even though the steak only tastes like a $60 steak, but they can post that Instagram story that they're at that restaurant. If you can build a brand behind your accommodations and students, you can position it in a way that it's a, it becomes a flex and then you have a wait list on your properties and then you can really, who knows what your, your ceiling is on that price point. It's difficult to build a brand and do it properly for longevity. But if you can do that, I think there's a, yeah. a significant amount of money to be made. Here you are asking me about quartz. <laughs> I, I don't gotta think I'm do going it. the quartz. No, you got to do quartz. Hey, man. Are I, you a luxury brand or aren't you? Hey, if you're building 40 <laughs> bathrooms a year, look at the price difference between the quartz and the Home Depot. Quartz cut, in and the it hurts. Bathroom. No, I agree with you. Quartz in the bathroom isn't isn't needed. Definitely in the kitchen. In the it. kitchen for sure. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll go granite or quartz. We'll do a nice luxury finish. But yeah. uh, the bathroom one, I mean, when you're building that many bathrooms, it's it's crazy. Like, I, I don't really believe in losing value on that. I know it's a few extra hundred bucks. Like, I don't know. What did you say it was? An extra like 500 bucks or something? Yeah. So, so, so the thing that you have to think is like, my refinance value is not going to change. True. It's true. It's and an now the question dollars. is, yeah. now the question you have to make yourself logically, what is the increased annual revenue that I can have from that granite countertop in the bathroom versus yeah. what is my cost of capital, my opportunity cost of investing that capital in a different place? Possible to quantify. It's an, it's an, well, I, you can get an idea of, of where you're at as an investor and what that will bring. And I don't think it will change my rents at all. And I think that I'm a fairly decent investor that I can get a, a producer return. Oh, yeah, so I, I have to... I it's have to it's make all the for you, decision. yeah, yeah. It's, it's I think it's more up to the the salesperson, so to speak. Uh, if, yeah. if if you want to draw attention to that as a salesperson, I would I would get the value out of it. I would I would use that as a way to push people over yeah. the edge and say like, we didn't even spare expense. Check out even these bathrooms have quartz. You know, no one else is doing that, and I would use that as that as a flex. Yeah, but um, you know, I can also use the uh, no. Nice, there's lots you the can nice do. Nice smile. There's lots nice you can smile. do. No, I agree. No, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, no, there's a lot of things. That, you yeah. know what? You always have to come down to those decisions yeah. and development. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. one of those I'll probably pass on. Cool, man. Um, okay, so anything you uh, wished I had asked you about that I haven't? No, I. Uh, your assistant asked me, and I said there's no specific questions. Just let the conversation go. Yeah, yeah that's that's what I typically do. Um, and I, I like, I'll get those those emails, and I, I do look at them. But I, this is why I ask because I don't want to forget. Like I probably saw maybe a note, but uh, no, I didn't ask. Yeah. I didn't care. I'm just here to kind of chat anyway. So yeah, no, yeah. it's all. Hey, man, it's always great uh, getting your perspective on things because I think the big thing you bring is mindset. Um, you obviously know your stuff, and you're just not willing to accept anything, but what you want it to be definitely and you'll just keep going until you get it yeah absolutely yeah i love that man i love love having you here having you on the show and uh yeah we'll uh we'll keep you coming back regularly awesome i appreciate it and uh so where do people uh reach you if they want to follow you yeah so for my day-to-day i actually post instagram stories all the time of like my actual business uh so that's marco ugbaba maybe we can put some spelling up for them to yeah. follow that's where you want to follow me for like day to day. If you want like lessons and you're a beginner investor, go to my YouTube channel. I actually think, you know, if you watch all those videos, you'll you'll have a decent understanding of how the finances work behind real estate. I'm not going to post any more videos, but I don't think I need to. I think what's there is a good enough library for people to learn. So if you want, don't even worry about subscribing, just watch those videos. But if you want the day to day, Instagram's where, where it's at. Cool, man. Well, yeah, appreciate it. And, uh, It'll be uh, fun to watch where the numbers end up on this uh, this next one. And we'll do this again in 12 months and see yeah, where it goes. Yeah, sounds good. We'll do a recap. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. Uh-huh.